John Steingard is arguably one of the best vocalists in Christian music. The frontman of the hit band Hawk Nelson, Steingard was performing over 150 concerts a year. His band Hawk Nelson has been churning out hit after hit, like Drops in the Ocean to Diamonds, garnering critical acclaim and success on the CCM charts. In May 2020, Steingart published a lengthy post on his Instagram page, sharing that he had lost his faith in God and he was no longer a Christian. This sent ripple waves across the world within the Christian industry and as well as the mainstream press. Now that he's had over seven months to think about his original post, I touch base with John on this podcast to find out what he's been thinking about his faith today. So six, seven, eight months ago, John, like you wrote this Instagram post. Yeah. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, like the Today Show, you know, Good Morning America, CNN, yeah. like, everyone is like covering your Instagram post about you wondering whether or not you believe in Christianity anymore. Yeah, I appreciate you wording it that way, actually, because that's that's sort of how I feel about it now. I I think at the time when I started posting publicly about doubts in my faith, I it was very much from a place of like I'm pretty sure I don't believe this at all anymore. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't really using the term atheist. I still don't. Um, but but definitely that's how it was received by people. Like, oh, John's an atheist now. And, and I never felt comfortable with that term. I still don't really um, identify with that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I basically, after 15 years of being in a Christian band and, you know, growing up in a Christian home, I'm a pastor's kid. So I've, I've been like embedded in Christianity my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and after, you know, a decade and a half, my entire adult life of, of basically traveling around singing songs about God and Jesus and, uh, salvation. And um, I started to really question why I believed what I believed. And I discovered that I just didn't have that strong a foundation. Um, and so I, I started reading a lot and, and, and looking at my own life experiences differently and looking at the experiences of people uh, different than me uh, differently, you know, and I, I came to this conclusion eventually that I'm like, man, I don't think I, I don't think I believe in God. At least that's at the moment, at that time, that's how I was wording it. Mm-hmm. And now I sort of realized like, oh, it's, it's a particular image of God that I no longer believe in. You know, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I was, I had this image of God in a very particular way mm-hmm. and I just could no longer believe in that, that God. And and at the time, my interpretation of that experience was, I don't believe in God anymore, period. Um, I, I would say that my views have evolved a little bit since then. Um, so, and we can get into that. But Yeah, so t- tell me, what, what is the um, kind of that, that characteristic of God that you have a hard time with now? Yeah, well, I think I, I, I believed in a God who was a being, a person, in a lot of ways, uh, a God that was sort of like just a better version of a human being, you know, like, like, Mm -hmm. uh, take the idea of a human being, maybe disembody that idea, Mm -hmm. and make it spiritual, and, and then give it, you know, endow it with all these uh, 
powers, you know, omnipotence, omnibenevolence. That's such a hard word to say. Omnibenevolence. Yeah. Like uh, (laughs) all, all powerful, all loving, all you know, all all knowing. And, And and that was that was my image of God my whole life. And and I think that's more or less the image of God that most Western Christians hold to. For me, the more I studied and the more I experienced in life, that that image of God didn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few experiences, it, well, I, I, many, many cumulative experiences that sort of led me to feel like that something's not right here. Um, and then, and then once those experiences started uh, sort of triggering a, a more intellectual curiosity, I started reading a lot more about you know, biblical textual criticism. I started reading about uh, uh, the history of Christianity, how the Bible was written, how it came to be, um, how the books of the Bible were chosen, um, you know, stuff like that. And, and the more I dug into that stuff, I was like, oh, there's a lot here that nobody told me. Yeah, um, it, it's, it, it's baffling to me how, you know, people, people who are lifelong Christians don't really know how the Bible was put together. I, no. I, I, I personally believe people would lose their faith if they figured that out, that they actually took a class and learned that, you know. So there's a lot of, you know, just gray area about the, the ancient Bible and Christianity, how it all came together. Yeah, and, and I'll be the first to say, even after, you know, studying this a lot, that like nothing that I learned proves that God is not there. Mm-hmm. Nothing that I learned proves that Christianity is some sort of grand lie. Yeah. <clears throat> but it 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 raised enough questions that I was like, okay, well, there there are things nobody told me mm-hmm. that seem to be true. <laughs> yeah. That that are very, very uncomfortable if you if you grow up with this idea that like, oh, the Bible is the perfect word of God. Yeah. And and because, you know, in the Protestant tradition, we, we, you hear phrases like, well, the Bible is clear. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that's the end of the story. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, there's a reason we have, you know, 30,000, 40,000 Protestant denominations is that, well, we, we don't agree on a lot of these things. And, yeah, exactly. and the, the Bible is not always clear on certain issues. And the Catholic Church actually would agree with that because, you know, Catholics for the longest time, I mean, like, first off, like for me growing up Protestant, I have to recognize that up until 500 years ago, like if you were Christian, you were, you were Catholic. I mean, like, I mean, uh, sort of leaving aside the Eastern Orthodox uh, church for a second, but um, I, I, you know, and the Catholics, the way that they deal with this problem is that they recognize that, scripture is not easy to interpret. And mm-hmm. so they basically say like, we'll do it for you. Um, and, and we'll tell you what it means. Yeah. And, and you, that way you don't have to uh, worry your, your little head about it. Yeah, ex- exactly. You just keep doing what you're doing. Right. Right. So, I mean, both, both of these traditions have a problem. It's like yeah. the, the, the Catholics problem is that it's basically like, you know, us learned folks will tell you common folks what it means. Mm-hmm. And Luther, you know, resented that mm-hmm. and along with a bunch of other things. And, and I think that he was right to question that. 
Yeah. Um, but then Luther's solution was everyone interpret the Bible for yourself. Right. And then that has its own problems because it's like, well, that's not so easy. <laughs> You're listening to the Concierge Minister podcast. So one of the really great things about Christianity is that we do a really good job um, brainwashing little kids. You know? <laughs> I was wondering if you were trying to find a word other than indoctrinating. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I'm always curious to look at people like you who, who grew up in the faith. It was a yeah. And then for you to kind of go through this almost deprogramming. Yeah. Of what you grew up with. Oh man, I love that word. I love that you just used that word because I've heard deconversion, I've heard deconstruction, but deprogramming, that's a good point. I, I use the word deprogramming because it's really questioning everything that you, you, you once believed that you were yeah. forced to believe. And I, I'm curious to know, was there something else happening in your life? Like, was there a a major crisis or, you know, a, a personal um, wound or grief that kind of all culminated for you to start thinking about this? Or was this more of a gradual uh, intellectual discovery? Yeah, for, it, it, it was a bit of both of those. Um, I, it, it was gradual, but I mean, I think for me, for a long time, I had been sort of a one foot in, one foot out Christian. Like, I was a professional Christian in the sense that like I was in a band, I was writing songs about, you know, God and, and, and there were always terms I was uncomfortable with. And I was, I, I, I liked saying God more than I liked saying Jesus because mm -hmm. Jesus felt very specific. Mm -hmm. um, so I was sort of in this like gray area for a long time. And then one of the things that jolted me out of that was becoming a dad actually. And I felt this, uh, you know, my wife and I, we had our, we had our first, uh, we had a little boy in uh, April of 2017. And that was, I'm not positive exactly how linked that is, but it, it feels linked for me somehow because it was right around then that I, that I started to feel this pressure to like, okay, I really need to figure this out. Yeah. You know, like it's one thing for me to go through life being like, ah, I, I think I believe this. I'm just kind of, kind of roll with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, all of my friends are Christian. My family is Christian. It would rock the boat too much to, to believe anything else or to, to adhere to any other sort of worldview. It would just be too disruptive to my life. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how much I felt that consciously, but definitely subconsciously or unconsciously that was present at, and at work. But when I had my son, I was like, now I'm responsible, I'm responsible for a person mm -hmm. who is going to grow up very much influenced by the, the way that I see the world. And, and I'm going to have the opportunity and the responsibility to teach him about the world. And like, how do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. uh, and that, um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that triggered so much anxiety for me. And I'm not particularly, I'm not usually an anxious person, Yeah. Um, but I started going to therapy uh, because I was like really torn up about that. Um, and and so, so becoming a father really motivated me. And then I had a few specific experiences that, that just made, that sort of just shook my worldview. So one of them was um, I, I do, alongside the band, I started doing film, uh, film work and, and video production. And I did a trip to Uganda uh, where I, I filmed a documentary about a people group called the Batwa. Hmm. 
and they're an indigenous people group in southwestern Uganda. Very, very, very remote. It's very hard to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I know this is a total cliche, but, you know, I, I as a, you know, a Western North American white dude, uh, grow, growing up in the church, you know, I, I went to participate in, in this documentary filming this people group in Africa. And I saw things that, I, I mean, I guess I had seen them in videos and photos before, but being there was yeah. really different for me. And I just saw suffering on a scale I had never seen before. And and I've, I've been to developing nations. Like I've done those trips i've 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 worked with organizations that that are doing good work around the world and but this was different this was like this was desperate mm-hmm. and um and 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 i had also recently become a father like i said and so i saw these kids these orphans that this organization was working with um and i just kept seeing my son in them you know i'm like this could be my son like like this is someone's child the way the same way that my son is my child and so i just cared on a much deeper level mm-hmm. and uh and you know i just saw this unimaginable suffering and i was struck by this thought that i couldn't shake and it was you've always believed in a god that intervenes on behalf of the people he loves yeah and where is that god here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i I just couldn't shake the notion that there's no way that if an all-powerful and all-loving God exists the way that I believed, there, there's there's no way he would he would permit this, you yeah. know. Why would God allow such suffering? Yeah, scale. Yeah, and so I mean, I experienced that, and then I came back, and I I discovered that there was this whole field of philosophy that deals with that problem. Mm-hmm. you know the problem of evil or the problem of suffering and you know people have been asking that question for a very 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 long time mm-hmm. and so i started learning about that and going like wow this is actually a really philosophically a, a pretty big issue and so so that sort of sent me down the the pathway of of the more intellectual side of the of the journey so can, can we just talk about the practical side actually before we do i want to tell you you know you you know i used to work at a radio station a christian yep. radio station mm-hmm. And one of the worst parts of working there is that they, whatever was live, they played it over the head speakers like all the times. So you can never uh-huh. get away from like the music. Yeah. So what one of one of my my beliefs is that the real reason why you gave up Christianity and gave up the band is because you just wanted to stop singing diamonds. <laughs> that's actually one of the songs i'm still proud of that yeah there, there's some other ones i'm i'm a little i'm a lot more anxious to leave behind than that one <laughs> I, I i will say i love diamonds I, I love everything about diamonds except how often i heard diamonds. oh yeah that's fair that's fair <laughs> you know, yeah it's- yeah and it's it's i mean that's part of the thing with radio is that i mean that's how i actually learned to how to play guitar when i was a kid is i sat in front of the radio and I, I learned by ear how to, how to like the different chords. I'm like, okay, so it's this chord and then it's this chord and then it's this chord. And because there was only like 10 or 12 songs on the radio at any given time, <laughs> yeah. they would come around often enough that I could be like, I could just sit there all day and I'd hear 
I'd hear the same Dave Matthews song like 18 times. And I'm like, well, I can learn that. Yeah, that's hilarious. But on a very practical note, John, there's one thing to kind of like disassociate yourself with Christianity, you know, if you're a dentist. But this is your livelihood, bro. Yeah. It's like, you know, like once you do this, this is the nail in the coffin. I mean, you are. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You are pretty much, you know, the way that you make your living and the way that you're going to support that son of yours is through this band and through record sales and touring. So what, what, tell me just kind of the, the decision that came to. Kind of Why did I torpedo it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, it's a combination of things. For, first off, we had been doing it for like 15 years. And so I had this sort of growing awareness of how, um, we had sort of reached a point in our career where I noticed we were just doing the same things over and over mm-hmm. um, and, and playing the same festivals, going on tour with the same bands. I, I noticed when I, and you know, this relates to Christian radio, when I listen to Christian radio, or if you look at the charts, it's like almost every artist on the Christian radio charts, who's getting a lot of airplay, who's sort of in the consciousness of the Christian radio listener or, or industry or whatever, almost all of them have been active for 10, 20 years. And so, and it's very different than pop music that way, which is a little bit, at least right now, a lot more likely to embrace new, new voices and new sounds. Mm -hmm. So I just started to feel like stuck in a rut, you know, and I had started doing video production on the side, like I said, and, and right around when my wife and I started having kids, I really questioned, like, do I want to tour full time as a dad? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I do. And, and, and I, so I, I had already, even before all this faith stuff happened, I had already told the guys like, hey, I'm not quitting. I'm not freaking out. But I, I think I want to take my life in a different direction. And because I'm the singer, that sort of affects all of us. Yeah, I I recognize that's really unfair, mm-hmm. but it's also unfair to to be required to stay in a career that you don't want anymore. You know, like it's it's still my life, and so so we sort of made this arrangement that we would uh, finish the album that we were working on, um, and then uh, t- and then I agreed to tour with the band for two more years. So it was sort of this very extended uh, period of, you know, wind down or transition. So we were already sort of doing that. So I think it wasn't until I realized that my career was heading in a direction where um, I'm, if, you know, doing video production full time and film work full time, most of my clients, uh, well, a lot of them are Christian, but not all of them. And enough of them aren't that, that it was very easy for me to imagine a life in which Nobody really cared what I believed. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until I had that realization that I even started to really ask the hard questions. I think while my career was embedded in Christianity and while my livelihood was dependent on me being a professional Christian, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I had the courage to question it. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it wasn't until I saw a pathway forward in life where I could put food on the table without having to be a Christian mm-hmm. that I went, okay, if my, if my livelihood's not dependent on my Christianity, now, what do you believe? Right. I sort of asked myself that question. And, and, and then, you know, you know, the next couple of years were, were this process of 
stepping away from Christianity and then, and then sort of, I went through a definitely an atheist phase and then, and then sort of started going, well, wait, wait a minute here. And so, um, we could talk about that, that, that later too, but yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the band, like the, you know, Hawk Nelson, L- luckily in Christian music, there's probably somebody left over from the original DC talk that can be the front man now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's low. I know. I know. Uh, that's low. That is low. Oh man. It, it, no, you're not wrong though. That became like sort of the inside joke for a while in Christian music. It's like whenever you, whenever you lose a lead singer, it's like, well, are there any more uh, members of DC Talk available? (laughs) You're listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast. Coming up. And so I started going like, are there ways that looking at spiritual things that are not so um, structured or so uh, dogmatic? Uh, You know, can can I cultivate a sense of wonder and mystery about reality? And so I started try to, trying to reframe my spiritual upbringing through, through that lens. If you want to support this unique ministry, you can make a contribution through Patreon. Become a monthly donor or one-time giver. Your contribution allows Concierge Minister to provide new resources to help you live your best life. Just visit the show notes to find the link to Patreon. Can you tell me the fallout, like just within like the Christian music industry and then in your family? Like, I'm really interested in knowing about your dad. Yeah. Um, so the, well, I'll start with the industry cause that's easier to, an easier part of the story to tell. Um, the, for the most part, anyone that knows me personally was very, very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I got a lot of text messages from people, um, you know, telling me that they loved me and that they cared about me and and maybe my, you know, decision to start talking about not believing in God publicly, um, you know, th- that saddened some of my friends for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but overall, it was very, very loving. I mean, definitely online, people that don't know me, I, I mean, I got all kinds of like, all kinds of stuff. But I, but I, the way that I deal with that is like, I'm, I mean, I've got 15 years of experience sort of ignoring random people on the internet who for some reason have a problem with me. So, uh, so when someone doesn't know me personally and they lash out on the internet, it just doesn't, doesn't generally get to me uh, that much. Um, but people who know me personally, that matters. And so most of those people were really cool. Um, some of them, uh, you know, it was interesting. I had a few other Christian artists who are still active who privately told me that they don't believe either. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just said, I just don't have any other way to, to provide for my family. And I've, I've spent, you know, 10 plus years building this career before I came to this conclusion. And I just don't know what to do. Um, yeah. And I actually, and I've spoken to pastors in that same situation. So I, I feel very sympathetic um, to people in that position because it's like they feel stuck. Yeah, and it's, I think it's 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 incredible because I, I I know several pastors who don't believe in God, uh, who definitely don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they don't know what else they would do. You know. Right. Right. Well, doing. it's not it's not hard to imagine, right? Like like yeah. you you grow up in church, 
you go to youth group, you go to your young adults group. Then when the time comes to choose a career, if sometimes some of these people don't know exactly w- what to do and they're like, well, let me just be a, a youth group leader for a while. And then you, yeah. you get ordained, you become a pastor, maybe you go to Bible college because it seems like a good idea. You know, you become an associate pastor at a church and then you wake up one day and you're 55 and you're the senior pastor of a church mm-hmm. and it's, and then you start questioning. Right. Right. And like, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, so I feel tremendous, tremendous empathy for, for people in that position because um, it's, it's, it's incredibly hard. Um, and and I, I really believe, John, that this quarantine has really been kind of a reckoning for people. Yeah, it was for me. <laughs> yeah. It, what, it, what it's done is it's given you permission to stop going to church and then for you to start kind of going, you know what? Yeah kind of pretty good without church. I don't need this. And then Yeah, I actually I actually wasn't going to church already because um f- as long as we were touring, we very often had shows on weekends. And so I for the longest time had the my wife and I had a really hard time like getting quote unquote plugged in at a church because we'd only be I would only be home on a Sunday morning like occasionally and we'd go to a church and we wouldn't really feel connected to it and everyone at the church knows everyone else and we don't really know anybody there or yeah. something like that. Or, I mean, in Nashville, we lived in Nashville for a long time. And there were plenty of churches that you could go to that had a great program, great speaking, um, but but were big enough that you could go and you could be ambiguous mm-hmm. and you could be anonymous. And, you know, because we were playing 100, 150 shows a year where people knew who I was, I was very happy to go to a church where I could be anonymous. Right. And uh, the downside of that is that it just, it never really resonated and never, I never felt connected to these places. So right. Right. Um, for me, quarantine was actually, it got me to a place where like everyone's lives are being so disrupted that it's like, if ever there's a time to be brutally honest, mm-hmm. it's now. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I, I, that I felt. Um, but you were asking about, about how, you know, people responded, um, the, yeah, for the most part, people were, were very, very kind who knew me. My conversations with my parents were definitely the hardest part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my, you know, my mom's a little bit more mystical in her faith. Mm-hmm. So I think my mom, my mom's self-talk is you know, oh, you know, John's on a journey, he's searching, he's questioning, but I believe that, that God will speak to him. Yeah. And, and so my mom sort of has this mystical approach and she, she, I don't, I think she doesn't want to worry about me. So she believes that I'm on this, you know, mystical spiritual journey, which in a, in a way she's actually right. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad is much more uh, empirical and, and, you know, he's academic and that kind of thing. And so he's, whenever we talk, he's very concerned with making sure I believe the right things, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is what I experienced in Christianity yeah. the whole, the whole time. It's like, well, no, you got to believe these things. And then I would go like, well, why? <laughs> and yeah. then it would always come back to the Bible, you know, like the Bible, you know, says that. And I'm like, yeah, but you, but do we agree on what the Bible is? Because I, I don't, I don't think we do. So for, for me, like the thought that my parents might actually be worried about me going to hell 
Like if I was worried about that for my kids, man, that would suck. That'd be awful. And so to think that I might be putting my parents in that kind of a position, that's the hardest part of this whole thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I have no desire to do that to them, you know? Right. Right. It sounds like your dad's like very methodical in his, yes. his faith, you know, it's yep. a word I'm looking for is systematic. Right. So, yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah, I'm it, sure he has quite a few systematic theology books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you know, for someone like that, and especially that generation to really even understand, you know, I'm going to use an overused word, but kind of just postmodern thinking where you are right. allowed to have lots of avenues to kind of, you know, think through. Um, yeah. it, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think my dad, I mean, I, I, I try to, I tried to study the sort of spiritual uh, evolution of my dad's generation too, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to understand a little bit better. So like my dad grew up in the, in the Nazarene church mm-hmm. and then participated in the Jesus movement. So for him, he went from this very ordered, very structured, very, um, here's what you do, here's what you don't do in Christianity type faith. And, and then he, he went into this Jesus movement that was very much like personal relationship with Jesus is the, is the most important thing. You know, um, believing that, that God still, <clears throat> excuse me, that God still does miracles today. Uh, you know, uh, spiritual gifts, praying in tongues, praying for healing. Like those are things that my dad moved into. And I, I sort of recognized that coming from the Nazarene church into that, that would have felt like so much freedom, right? Like it would have been, instead of Christianity being about doing the right things, it's about believing the right things. It's about believing the truth and, and, and walking that out. And I remember hearing the phrase, it's not religion, it's relationship. I remember hearing that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I have to appreciate that for my dad and, and my parents' whole generation, really, like that movement would have felt like a, a really beautiful stepping out of this strict thing into this beautiful expression. So I have to respect that. Um, what I've tried to communicate to my parents is that like the downside of that for their children has been that like when you put all your emphasis on a personal relationship with Jesus – and you tell your kids, no, 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 no. It's like, it does. That's all that matters. Just I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. The problem is, is like if your kids can't conjure that up, yeah, then they're gonna feel like something's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And that's how. And that's how I felt. I was just like, I, I, I mean, I prayed. I read my Bible when I got a job. I was tithing. Like mm-hmm. I was doing all the things that, you know, you're supposed to do. And I never felt like this super clear like relationship with Jesus, you know, like this, like, I like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm just talking to myself here. Right. right. Um, and so I, I know. A whole- feel, did you ever feel kind of that supernatural spiritual experience? Cause I, I feel like growing up, you know, in the church, like, you know, did you ever experience John? Yeah. Uh, incredible miracle and answer to prayer or did you ever, you know, sit, you know, I don't know, in at Bible camp and just start crying because you were so overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, you know, like. Uh, you yeah, I, I did have, I did have some of those experiences, but I also, as I got older, I noticed that those experiences 
didn't necessarily have to be connected to anything to do with Christianity. Mm. So like I, I always felt most like connected to God when I was out in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I interpreted that as m- I was experiencing God, the same God I hear about in, in church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was my interpretation of that experience. Um, and for a lot of people, that's, that's the case. Uh, you know, that's, that's what, that's how they view those experiences. As far as miracles go, I, I was, um, I was around when I was a kid, the, the group of churches that I grew up in had this, uh, sort of wave of the spirit. Um, this was in Toronto in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. There was this movement they called the Toronto blessing. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And so my family was very embedded in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was pastoring a satellite church of that main church. And so we were involved in, in that quite a bit. And crazy stuff was going on like like people being slain in the spirit people roaring like lions people um you know like worship services that lasted hours and hours and days and days you know um and and as a kid i think that i mean that started in 1991 or 1992 i think and so i was you know eight or nine Mm -hmm. and so at that age you just sort of go oh this is like this this is normal this is this is what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized that those experiences were a bit of an outlier. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's like most Christians were not experiencing stuff like that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't remember, the thing is looking back, I don't remember ever experiencing something that could not be explained through physical or psychological means. Um, one of the things I've studied a lot this year is the gray area between the spiritual and the psychological. Because there's a lot of experiences that people have that if they're Christian or if they're religious, they may interpret as a spiritual experience. But But there's definitely something psychological going on. And then you get to a point where you investigate it and you go like, what's the difference? Right. Right. It's like, it's like the experience is real for this person. It may be psychological in nature, but that doesn't mean that it's not real. Right. Um, so, so the line between, you know, the natural world and the supernatural world and the, the psychological and the spiritual got really blurry for me. Uh, the more I studied it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I kind of knew where you were eight months ago. Yep. You know, just, you know yep. we're besties through Instagram. So yeah. Like, you know, but you know, I know there's a journey. So how, how would you kind of reframe where you are today? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, when I posted in May, you know, I don't think I believe in God anymore. And then, then there was this sense of like, okay, well now what? And, um, and for a while I, I, I was, I was sort of in this place where I'm like, well, I guess I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. And I never liked the term, but it seemed to most accurately describe my views. And so I was like, okay, I, I guess that's what I am. And I sort of lived life in that place for a while. And eventually I, I just, I became dissatisfied with it. And I was like, this isn't enough for me. Um, the idea that we're just here and there's no purpose. Um, 
you know, and I studied the existential philosophers a lot. So I, I was like, okay, like I, I'm into the idea of creating your own purpose and deciding your own purpose. But it also feels like that I want to believe that there's a bigger story going on here. Mm. Um, and and the idea that, that there wasn't was sort of sad for me. And and so you, you could call it deluding myself, um, but but I sort of started studying spirituality from that point of view and, and going like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across this field of study known as phenomenology. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, for your listeners, um, it's basically a total reframing of, of uh, a totally new way of looking at uh, psychology or, you know, you know, reality. Um, I mean, new a few hundred years ago. Um, but there were these there was uh, these philosophers hegel sort of sort of was one uh martin heidegger is probably the best known phenomenologist um and they basically said hey and in, in, instead of looking at the world through this really rational empirical scientific lens like why don't we look at the world through the lens of human experience and why don't we start with the assumption that every experience that one has is real because it's it's something that's happening to you and maybe it's only happening in your head, but you, you, you live your whole life in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and that opened up a really interesting field of inquiry for me where I was like, okay, there's more going on here with human experience than just, um, you know, than just uh, molecules in motion as, as Frank Turek likes to say, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so I started going like, are there ways that looking at spiritual things that are not so um, structured or so uh, dogmatic? Uh, you know, can there can I cultivate a sense of wonder and mystery about reality? Mm-hmm. And so I started trying trying to reframe my spiritual upbringing through through that lens and and. You know, I still don't believe that the Bible is the perfect word of God. I, I, I think it's written by human beings that, that have been trying to understand who they are and how they fit into this world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in just the historical Jesus? Uh, I, I, from my study, I, I find it very doubtful that Jesus didn't exist. Like, I know there are a few mythicists out there um, who, who claim that Jesus never existed at all. I think that he probably did. Um, and um, yeah, I, I don't, when I study the gospels, I don't have, I don't have a lot of confidence that Jesus necessarily, the historical Jesus necessarily said all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the gospel of John. I mean, that one's <laughs> the most problematic for me, but, yeah. but at the same time, there's something really beautiful about the gospels and the Bible as a whole. Um, when I started viewing the Bible as a human creation, mm. I actually, that, I gained more respect for it, not less. I was like, that didn't seem like a demotion to me. It, it felt like all of a sudden, I wasn't trying to make it something that it's not. All of a sudden, I was appreciating it for what it is. Right. And right. it came to life for me. Um, so I told my dad that once. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dad, I don't believe the Bible is the word of God at all. I think it's written entirely written by humans. It's full of stories. A lot of them aren't strictly speaking accurate, mm-hmm. uh, but I've never been more interested. Mm. 
you know, uh, and, and he didn't entirely know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but now I, I, I'm looking at the world through this perspective of like, what's going on here? There, there are, there, there are, each of us has our own narrative of our life, right? Mm-hmm. And we are participating in writing it, but, but we're not writing it on our own. Mm. We're also participating in a in a family and a culture and a society and then uh, you know a species uh, you know the human the human you know race is, has an evolving narrative mm-hmm. and so there's all these levels of story um, and this whole thing is going somewhere and and you know saying that it's spiritual is one way of using language to describe that. You know, um, and and I'm starting to see a lot more validity in a lot uh, more places as far as people describing their human experience, and so I'm I'm wildly curious about that. Um, yeah, li- listening to you, John, I feel like part of and I, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm gonna like just very broad strokes, like you sure, know, go for it. Kind of do the psychotherapy on you. Sure, you please know. do. But what I what I feel like what you're what you're representing and what you're saying is what I is what I'm hearing, um, you know, outside of, of the walls, and that is Christianity for so long has been so confined to kind of this modernistic Western understanding of of religion. Yeah. And what I've been hearing in our conversation with you is a lot of seeping in of Eastern. Um, religion, yeah. Eastern mm-hmm. mystic- mysticism, Eastern mm-hmm. philosophy. And what in, in many ways, what I'm hearing is like, for you, the box has expanded. Yeah. You know, so it's not that it's you've, you shut it out and that there's no more Christianity. It's more of you have become even more enlightened with more information that helps round out what you believe. Yeah. I mean, I'm always saying to myself, transcend and include. Yes. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, what's funny about that is that, is that I was anxious to transcend, but for a time I was not anxious to include. Mm. And, and uh, the last, I felt like the last group, the last perspective that I, that I began to appreciate in a new way was Christianity, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, I was anxious to leave that all behind. That felt like the past. That was like, Oh, those are, that's, those are old ideas yeah. and like not old in the good way, you know? Right. right. Um, but uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're touching on something. I did, I did study other religions a, a good bit and Buddhism and Taoism were the two that really like resonated with me the most. And and it's funny with Buddhism, I told my parents, cause like my mother-in-law cracked a joke. She didn't know that I was studying Buddhism and she said something to the effect of like, well, as long as you're not a Buddhist. <laughs> and I just wanted to be like, if you're a Christian and, and you're worried about me adhering to a different religion, that's actually the one that you should hope that I go for. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a whole world of religions out there that, that would horrify you a lot more than that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but uh, I just, in Buddhism, I, I found so many parallels to Christianity. Um, the idea of like, take up your cross and follow me, of self-sacrifice. I mean, that, that's a very Buddhist idea. It, it just formulated differently.
growing up in the church, there's a lot of things that I hold dear that I got from Christianity. And, and, and Christianity may not own all of those ideas, but they were, but it was where I, where I got them. Right. So there's value there. And, um, you know, the idea that human beings are intrinsically valuable, um, you know, in Greek and Roman culture, that was not present really that idea. Um, in, in, you know, tribal culture, it's like, well, if you're a part of our tribe, there's value to your life, but you know, outside of that, not really. <laughs> and so Christianity helped introduce to the world, the idea that every human life has value. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think it doesn't own that idea. It's not the only expression of that idea, but it is a prominent one. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, well, that's worth something. And, and that's worth remembering. Um, and, and even by, by nature of growing up in the Western world, I've been profoundly influenced by Christianity, whether I want to or not. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. yeah. I can't be, I can't extricate myself from it. I mean, yeah. when I was 17, I moved out on my own and I said, I was, I said I was independent, but I was driving a car my parents gave me and I was living at my grandpa's house in the basement. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like I was independent, you know, that's, like, right. that's, what, yeah. that's what it feels like to say like, Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm shrugging off everything to do with Christianity, and I'm like, mm, if you live in North America, no, you're not. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't. I think that's a good example. Yeah. John, can do you have a couple minutes to answer some quick fire rapid sure. questions? For me? Yeah. My listener probably doesn't know that um, you and I are both Canadians. <laughs> uh, tell me where where do you love going when you go to Canada? Oh, BC, man. I was born in Vancouver, but mostly grew up in Ontario. Um, and, and when I go back to BC, it's like, it's like something resonates with me and, you know, here's the mysticism coming in, you know, like I just, I feel so connected to that part of the world. Do you still dress like a rock star? (laughs) I don't know. So in, in California, it's, uh, the culture is very, uh, athleisure, I think you call it. So um, there's a lot, there's like a fitness culture here for sure. So I think living here, I I dress a lot more like that than I do like ripped jeans and emo hair now. Right. right. I did have bleached hair for years. I remember that. And I, I literally just went back to my natural color, like maybe a month ago. Oh, really? And, and you know, I'm 37. I'm a dad. I'm not in a band anymore. It started to feel like, all right, like I should, the bleached hair is a bit much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. You are probably one of the top two vocalists, I think, in Christian music. I think you have an wow. incredible, incredible voice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so what are you going to do with that instrument? Man, I'm doing a lot more talking than singing these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, quite honestly, I... I have not been very interested in music at all the last few years mm. because it's so connected to that period of my life. Um, you know, I even had, I had an, this experience where we were hanging out at a friend's house and they wanted me to like sing, they like wanted me to sit down at the piano and sing some Hawk Nelson songs. And I, I had to make it awkward. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't like, mm-hmm. I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. I don't think. 
Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm getting closer to experiencing some healing there mm-hmm. where, where like the idea of sitting down and singing a Hawk Nelson song doesn't make me feel uncomfortable or weird or bad anymore. It's like, no, no, no. That's like, that was a beautiful time in my life. And at that time I was interpreting these ideas in that way. And, and that's okay. You know, that's not bad. That's a part of my journey. And so I'm, I'm getting a little closer to, that's to awesome. sort of experiencing a bit of healing there, but I don't have any plans to do any music right now. You know, there, there are certain things about your childhood that you just can't undo. Oh yeah. Do you find, do you find yourself praying still? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, throughout this whole process, I think during my my darkest sort of most atheistic phase, I still prayed occasionally, but my prayer was always like, God, if you're there, if I'm wrong, and if you're there, then please make yourself real to me because I don't want to be wrong. Like if you are there, I, I want to know, you know? Um, that was my prayer for a long time. And now I, I think when I pray, it's in a much more holistic sort of meditative way, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, I, I'm not asking God or, see, this, this is where words get tricky. It's like God or, I use the word being mm. because I, when I studied um, Paul Tillich's idea of the ground of being, mm-hmm. that was super meaningful for me. It's like, oh, like, um, I mean, for for your for your listeners, like super quick, ground of being is basically the idea that that God is not a being; God is being itself. Mm-hmm. Because by by believing in God as a being, you're placing God inside creation, which inherently makes him small and finite. Mm-hmm. But Tillich believed that God was basically that by which all things arise and that which sustains it all, and and. And that sounds kind of Eastern, right? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And and so I I am inclined to think about God that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means exactly, but but that sort of brought some healing to me as far as like how to even conceptualize God. Yeah. And so so when I think about being, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've been trying to find God, but this whole time I've been ensconced in being, mm-hmm. you know, I've been swimming in it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And, wow. and I've been like, oh, like that was a huge breakthrough for me. And, and so now when I pray, it's more like, it's more like, it's less like, God, can you do this? Can you show me this? God, you know, grant this prayer. And it's more like, how can I bring my sort of consciousness and my awareness more in line with being, with mm-hmm. what is, with, with reality, with, with like, how can I be more present? How can, I, how can I be more in what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. That's sort of what prayer looks like for me now. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That, mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Um, do you still listen to Christian music? Mm, I, I, I do in my film work a little bit of work with Christian artists still. And so I listen to their music. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in, I don't listen to Christian radio or anything like that anymore. No, yeah, uh, I, 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 I have enough connections to Christian music that I'm still somewhat aware of, of kind of what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, a song pops up that I think is 
really actually really beautiful. And, and unfortunately sometimes some of the, some of the sort of cheesier uh, expressions of, of Christianity can come out in Christian music, but occasionally a song will transcend that. Like what? Like give me an example of a song that you think is really, really um, uh Okay. So there's this really weird song and I can't remember who wrote it, but Michael W. Smith made it, made it popular or a few different people made it popular, but it's like, this is how I fight my battles. Wait, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember what the song is called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it may seem that I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Mm. Like, the entire song is those two lines. Mm. Over and over and over and over. It makes no sense as a song. None. <laughs> um, like, like I'm trying to, like, I've been in so many songwriting sessions over the years. And I can't imagine the courage it took to be in a songwriting session and to leave it at that. <laughs> How about we just say these two things over and over and over? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like now it seems obvious because that song's wildly successful, but it's like at the time, like you would not, you would have been like, I don't know. I don't, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's this idea of this is how I fight my battles by, by knowing that I'm surrounded by goodness, by, by knowing that, that I'm, I'm in the middle of something that's beautiful um, by submitting to that. Like I think about Christian culture now that so much of it is about like, we've got to take back our country. You know, these, these, uh, these secular folks, these liberals are, uh, you know, yeah. are, are taking over. We have to like take back our country for Jesus. And, and then this song comes around and says, no, no, no. This is how we fight our battles by recognizing what's around us, by seeing it, by sitting in it, by, 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 you know, uh, by being on our knees. Um, it's this beautiful, non-violent, non-aggressive expression of confidence in faith. And that's that's what I see when Christianity is expressed most beautifully, is it's quietly confident. Because I don't think that the truth needs to be defended as much as we think it does in Christianity, you know? Like, it's like, we've got to defend the truth. And I'm like, the truth is, pretty good at defending itself mm. give it time yeah that's amazing you know that's amazing so I, I think that's an example of a song that sort of transcends christian culture for me and i find it really really beautiful and i and i love that you dropped smitty i mean how yeah. can, can you go wrong with smitty so. well i mean like so then the cynical part of me is like oh he hopped on that bandwagon you know but but who cares right he, it's like he, he does that a lot recently like waymaker and a couple yes. of the other like big yeah. he's popularized some of the songs that probably other people wouldn't we would have never known or, or yeah heard. yeah yeah because i know i can't remember exactly where that song it, it came out of a somewhere a lot less uh known than 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 michael w smith obviously yeah um but yeah i mean i i just think there's moments when a, a piece of art or a, a, a an event or a or a song or a book sort of transcends what we think is normal mm-hmm. and um and i i love those moments because you're just sort of like ah there's something more going on here yeah i didn't know about that i didn't know about this and in a lot of ways like 
I've spent the last couple of years of my life chasing those aha moments. I was like, oh, so that's why dot, 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 right. you know? Um, yeah, and I guess that's sort of spiritual and mystical and, you know. So John, final question, most important question. Um, what's your Netflix binge right now? <laughs> well, I have toddlers, man. So my my Netflix binge is uh, uh, dino trucks right now. <laughs> because um, my son's obsessed with dino trucks and we get in the car and he's like dino truck song and so then we listen to the dino trucks theme song um, uh, I mean full disclosure I go to bed at like we put our we try to get our kids down around 8 and then as soon as they're down I go to bed so I'm usually asleep by like 8 30 9 o'clock so I don't stay up and watch TV. My wife, my wife does. Um, that's her alone time in the evening. But mine is like I get up early and have my alone time in the morning. You know. Bro, thank you for joining me, man. I yeah, it's my pleasure. It. It's it's really been a very enlightening conversation. You know, to have with you. Well, thank you for having me, and um, thank you for being so open. And um, you know, I've 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 been really impressed actually with a number of people like yourself who are interested in hearing perspectives different than one's own, you know? Um, and that's one of the things I sort of disagree with some of the more like hardcore, maybe like uh, internet atheists <laughs> say, yeah. saying that like, saying like, oh, Christians are, are thick headed. They don't listen. They're, they're not interested in other perspectives. And that, that, there's certainly people out there like that, but there's also a lot of people like yourself who are, I think, curious in the same way that I'm curious, you know, yeah, and, and want to sure. want to learn more and, and are participating in this evolving journey that we're all on. Um, so so thank you for, for doing that. Thanks for listening to the Concierge Minister podcast. If you want to learn more about growing in your faith or looking for an online faith community for support while you're on your journey, please visit conciergeminister.com or send us an email at conciergeminister at gmail.com. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. If you find this podcast helpful, please tell your friends about us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, go and live your best life.